It's like, okay, you, you like Naruto? No, you like Dragon Ball. You just like Dragon Ball that's ninjas. You like One Piece? You like Dragon Ball, but they're on boats. Congratulations. Yeah. Everybody likes Dragon Ball. Um, and it's you just like so... My Hero Academia? It's Dragon Ball, but they're nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that one was good. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, what? I said it. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I am Blue, and I'm joined by Red. hey And Indigo. Yo. Cool. Uh, okay. That, that was a surprisingly <laughs> painless Indigo introduction this time yeah. around. Let's see if we can, uh, let's see how much we're going to push our luck in this episode. Don't um, get with, used with, to with it. Things going, uh, with things going according to plan. Yes. Uh, Red, how you, how you doing? Pretty good. You know, just been, uh, just been scripting out trope talks recently, so my brain is full of cliches. And media and nice. reboot. You're all lucky it's not just the reboot power hour. I've been rewatching it recently <laughs> and it's still good. <laughs> it is interesting how you, you tend to not to like peel back the curtain too far, but you write the stroke <laughs> talks usually in, in batches, so it's kind of fun seeing from my perspective the the like not exactly um like simultaneous creation, but the the bouncing mm. around of different ideas in a very short span of time that leads to uh, the scripts coming out the way they do. So we have the conversations about like, oh, ideas for this and this, and then like a week later, it's like here's three scripts, and we're like, oh, okay, cool, let's <laughs> let's dig in, let's see what we've got. So it's uh, yeah. yeah, it can be interesting too because usually from my perspective, they're like fairly disconnected subjects, but then as I'm writing them, I'm like, oh, apparently I was thinking about the theme of redemption arcs and what characters deserve to, okay, because I, I, it's in every single script I've written recently. All right, interesting. Or like, huh, I keep finding excuses to talk about space recently. I wonder what's up with that, you know, so. Uh, people are like, oh, there's themes in your work. And I'm like, no, I just have three ideas. Uh, that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's fun. Um, yeah. I've been working on some some scripts of my own this past week, but that's uh, that's getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're here to do the post show, not to, to preview stuff coming up next. So, Red, yes. you had a uh, a fun one in the the new uh, series of not new, but like newish well, series new-ish, of, yeah. of detailed diatribes. We had a cool discussion on the Saiyan prophecy in Dragon yeah. Ball Z. Yeah, that video went over far better than I expected it to. Um, you know, all the detailed diatribes are a bit uh, unpredictable. You know, it's a new format. Yeah. They're very long compared to everything else we do. Yes. The visuals are unusual. Uh, it's it's pretty much unpredictable how they're going to perform. Uh, but I had a hunch that a video about Dragon Ball was probably going to have more mass appeal, at least, yeah. than, like, uh, you know, the Christmas movie showdown, which was an absolute blast, but was a little more niche. Uh, and in this case, it was just like, hey, let's explore this one bit of writing that I think is really effective. Oh, but in order to do that, I do need to contextualize. And in order to explain Dragon Ball Z, I need to explain Dragon Ball. And oops, it's been an hour. So uh, <laughs> it was very fun. And I, I got to admit, I never thought I'd like making PowerPoints this much. Like, it's like the quintessential boring thing in school. But now it's like, I can just do it however I want. And I can give it comedic timing. And my teacher won't get mad at me because I don't have one. Um, the slow zoom ins on the doofy faces in the PowerPoints really made it. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. I didn't need to do that much punching up, but I, I thought, you know, it's worth adding, you know, yeah. just, a, just a little comedy spice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's honestly quite weird for a format of a YouTube show that it, it's kind of like this presentation type format 
rather than a sort of, you know, like the typical video essay form, which I, I guess has its advantages and disadvantages. We're able to to cover a lot more ground in a more casual way than the fairly like structured, direct, and even a little bit rigid uh, style of a video essay. And there's there's some benefit to just kind of carrying on as a, as a conversation because me like. In, in this scenario, I had experience with Dragon Ball. I watched it when I was young, but I haven't mm. seen it, like, recently. So I really didn't know what was, was going on. And I was able to kind of play the role of the audience of, like, yeah, most of our audience watched Dragon Ball at least at some point in their yeah. past, whether or not they've done it recently. But, yeah, no, it's um, it's neat. It's a good yeah. format. We really lucked for, into that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for detailed diatribes, having uh, at least one of us not really knowing what's going on is very helpful because that means instead of having to sort of be like, okay, what what would an audience who doesn't know what we're talking about need to know to understand what we're talking about? We can just be like, hey, I have follow-up questions. What and how? Yeah. Uh, so like when we were doing the Breath of the Wild thing, like I hadn't played the game at that point. So you could actually be like, this thing happens and this thing is a location. And I could just be like, wow, neat. I don't know any of this. You know, like I, I picked up a little bit, but I didn't really know, you know, why is there a mountain with a hole in it, for instance, <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, and that meant that when I did play it, I was like, oh my God, it's not with a hole in it. So it was yeah. just, yeah. Uh, and with Dragon Ball, uh, I, the comments were really fun. Uh, although there were a lot of people that there were like a few trends that I noticed. One of them was that I was underselling the Super Saiyan 2 transformation in the Cell Saga, uh, in that it basically did the same thing again, but good also and it's like i feel like that means i'm not underselling it that means i'm like hey you know how this thing was cool well uh the frieza saga did it first <laughs> um but basically the gist of that one just real quick is that all through the cell saga uh they're kind of playing up that hey you know how gohan's had this weird strong reserve of his power this whole time let's unpack that a little bit in more ways than one and then when he goes to fight cell uh he gets at one point extremely angry and uh basically goes super saiyan but again and they play it exactly like they played original Super Saiyan. It's all scary, and maybe it's a bad thing, actually. And and uh, so that's good. But it's good because it was good the first time they did it. And <laughs> that doesn't undercut my point. That just proves me right again. <laughs> um, uh, and then there were a few people uh, who were weighing in that, like, other transformations were kind of cool. Uh, or that, oh, it doesn't count as a prophecy because there wasn't like a written prophecy. It's like, it's a prophecy. What are you talking about? Everyone knows it's a prophecy. I think there there's an overweighting of prophecies that are specifically written down on some ancient tomb that as mm. soon as these five criteria are met, this guy will do this thing. But sometimes prophecies are vague, which is honestly probably better writing most of the time. Exactly. Because it seems like a little too suspiciously on the nose when these exact seven things happen in sequence to make this other thing happen, you know? Yep. And I also saw one other thing, which is, uh, so basically, I mentioned in the video that there was a super Broly movie. There was a Dragon Ball super movie about Broly. Uh, this was essentially a soft remake of a movie that had existed, but was not canon. None of the Dragon Ball Z movies were canon. They for mo mostly the reason that none of them fit in the timeline. Like, they would happen between arcs that had no time between them. Uh, and this one was the Broly movie, where the gang go to a planet in space, uh, and there's a, uh, this is guy, this Saiyan, and his son, and the son is Broly, and Broly is actually a super strong, scary, legendary Super Saiyan. He's like the Super Saiyan Hulk 
up he to was born super saiyan right no well i hell if i know i don't think they have so. a shot where he's super saiyan in the crib i full disclosure he's not super saiyan his hair just looks like that when i was young i thought it was awesome <laughs> okay <laughs> well i watched it recently and i was like oh god the, the pacing but uh, he wasn't super saiyan in the crib his hair just looked like that oh. uh it, when he when he goes all super Never saiyan mind. he glows a lot uh, and he's basically just the Super Saiyan Hulk, and that when he Super Saiyans out, he gets really beefy, and his power is even kind of green. Uh, and a number of comments were like, oh, okay, so you see, they thought that Goku went Super Saiyan, that this was the legend, but it turns out that's just a thing all Saiyans can do, and only Broly is the legendary Super Saiyan. And I was like, that is the dumbest, most unsatisfying possible way they could have closed this plot hole. And it's like, how is that better? How is that better than Goku fulfilled an ancient alien prophecy to defeat the evil space emperor of the universe? How is it better to just be like, oh, actually, all Saiyans can do that if they hit the right button combination. And only this random guy in a non-canon movie who dies is is the legendary prophecy fulfilling magical super Saiyan. It's, I don't know. I think people are mistaking, like, uh, how to explain this? Um... My point in that video was basically that at the time that the the Frieza saga ended, that was clearly the story that Toriyama had wanted to tell up to that point. And everything after that was him telling new stories and finding ways to retcon them in ways that fit with what he'd already established. So at the time, Goku was the legendary Super Saiyan. He'd fulfilled this prophecy. He'd become this thing that nobody else could do. After that, everybody could do it, which retroactively cheapened it, but that wasn't the intention at the time. And you can tell by the way everything in that arc is written that the intention was Goku did this incredible cool thing because he's the coolest and he's the hero and like he's like the only Saiyan who's not a dick, so he's allowed to do this. Uh, and, y you know, if we're looking at it from the in-universe perspective, obviously the fact that after this everyone can go Super Saiyan means that it can't have been that special. But, you know, that that's a retcon. <laughs> And we're talking about the original authorial intent of why this was cool. Oh, it was a weird video. Um, what if, to retcon this even further, what if Goku being the first legendary Super Saiyan is what opens the door to everybody else becoming able to be Super Saiyan, that his power ah, is the gateway to everyone else? You hear that, Vegeta? <laughs> it's all thanks to Goku. Um, and there was one other comment that I saw a few different places, which were basically people who were like, oh, you know, I'm from South America, and we got Dragon Ball and then Dragon Ball Z, and the fact that you guys didn't really explains every conversation I've ever had with an American about Dragon Ball. <laughs> I was like, oh god, I hadn't even considered that. <laughs> I'm glad I was specific with who didn't get Dragon Ball before Dragon Ball Z. Um, I'm just imagining Portuguese-speaking Goku. <laughs> I'm sure it exists. I oh, I mean, it definitely does. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, the thought of that predating English dubs is hilarious to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, um, but yeah, it was a really fun video. Uh, this is uh, this is a topic I like talking about, and it's it's kind of odd because like I like Dragon Ball, but I'm not like super enamored with it. I think the writing has a lot of holes in it. It's just it's fun, and it's really fun to unpack. You know, there's a lot of cool stuff that I just like to discuss, and it had such an effect on the culture. I mean, like it it's why the the genre of shonen anime is what it is. Dragon Ball defined like ninety percent of the tropes that get used. In, in that entire genre of media. It's like, okay, you, you like Naruto? No, you like Dragon Ball. You just like Dragon Ball that's ninjas. You like One Piece? You like Dragon Ball, but they're on boats. Congratulations. Yeah. Everybody likes Dragon Ball. Um, and it's you just like so... My Hero Academia? It's Dragon Ball, but they're nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that one was good. Yeah. Oh, 
no. Um, what? I said it. <laughs> you did, yeah. I, I've gone on record saying that, in my opinion, My Hero Academia's unique thing is that it's basically like, okay, Dragon Ball was the last generation. These are all the kids running around. So it's like, you've got the hero who's being trained by, like, old Goku, and you've got his rival who's like Vegeta, but somehow worse. And then you've got his other rival who's Vegeta's super fucked up kid who gets therapy and becomes a much better person. And it's... it's, it's... It's Dragon Ball Z, but the Z stands for Zoomer. Oh, God. <laughs> I strike again. Yes. <laughs> and with that, I think we're coming up on time for this section. Oh, fine. But, uh... I, I see the, the hook coming out from left uh, <laughs> left stage to kind of yeah. yank me away. In but... short, uh, basically, it was a very fun video. I'm glad people liked it. Uh, and I'm excited for more detailed diatribes because this was like, I think this was the one where I hit my stride. Like, like Blue's had good detailed diatribes before, but I feel like, you know, I've had a couple misses. The fact that I couldn't use any footage in the She-Ra one was a real kick in the teeth, you know, stuff like that. That was tough. We were still figuring it out. I mean, I, yeah. I feel like I, I hit my stride with the, the You Must Be the Belmont, but like, I'm going to be chasing that high for the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm never going to top that. Yeah. And <laughs> anyway. that, one was, that one was one where we both knew what we were talking about. So it was less of a presentation yeah. and more of like, oh my God, and the bit where he punched him. Ah, oh, so cool. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. Dragon Ball. Uh, on the other side of, of content that is, is fun and unique and way less effort to make than a typical video, uh, <laughs> I had a behind-the-scenes uh, video, the first uh, the first of its kind on OSP um, yes. last week, uh, about how I go through the process of making maps, because I've, I've explained it on the podcast, I've talked about it on live streams a little bit, but uh, I've never actually really shown it off, and people have been curious for a while, so I thought... Eh, might as well let's 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 show people how it actually works and <laughs> people seems to think it was really neat the the three undercurrents that i saw were wow i had no idea that it was marble this whole time second one was god damn it i'm never gonna unsee the fucking swimming pool now and the third <laughs> one was blue you went through all the trouble to erase the suez canal but you kept Lake Nasser, which was a man-made lake in the 1970s? <laughs> the answer to which is, yes, objectively, that is an error, and it's, like, a wrong thing and an anachronism, but the reason that I kind of don't actually super care about that one <laughs> is because since it is still the basic shape of river, and it's a lot more complicated to go erasing a lake and redrawing the borders of a river than just, like, squiggling out the two little canals up by Sinai. I kept it in because I kind of, like, I don't know what the original course of the Nile looked like before the Aswan Dam and Lake Nasser. So I'm like, yes, it is wrong. But, like, I don't know how I would make it right because I don't know how to redraw that in the way that is correct. So I'm just, I'm just keeping it. Sorry, yep. gang, I'm keeping the Aswan Dam. I'm keeping Lake Nasser. <laughs> Sue me. <laughs> also bold of them to be like the original course of the Nile when the Nile is notorious for flooding and slightly changing every year. <laughs> so. <laughs> it's actually, it represents a bell curve of all the places where the course of the Nile could have been. Yeah, uh, you got but, a gradient to doubt. Yeah. It was fun. I mean, I could have gone into more, like, granular detail of how I actually go about, like, the map and what layer modes I specifically use. But I figured then if I did all of that, it would have been, like, 15 minutes long and way more boring. So, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, was it perfect? No, but I'm pleased with, with how I presented it because it was it was snappy enough to, to have people who, like, otherwise wouldn't really care still be like, oh, okay, that's neat. Because if it was, like, a tutorial, that wouldn't have really worked. But it's behind the scenes. It's like, okay, yeah, you know, it's... It's kind of like a draw the rest of the fucking owl type thing, but, you know, whatever. 
Whatever. A couple people on the subreddit have actually posted maps they've drawn in that style. That I cool. saw, which was really cool, seeing people um, on Discord, on the subreddit. Um, someone did a uh, uh, a World War One alternate history map. Someone did a map of Macau. Uh, someone did a map of um, Finland. Uh, really, really cool seeing uh, people take a shot at it, because it's it's not a terribly complicated process once you... Uh, once you get the hang of it, and the fewer Cleo, you gotta not knock my shit over here. I, why do you want to go to that one nook in my desk? It's not interesting. There's literally nothing. Fucking cats, I swear. She just knows how cute it is. Yeah. Um, She's but... just doing this for me, so you send me more pictures of her. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know what I was talking about, but uh, <laughs> it, it was cool seeing people try their hand at it. Um, because, yeah, once, once you get a sense of it, it's not actually terribly complicated and the fewer embellishments you put in the the less work it takes so if you don't want to put in any mountains you skip like three entire steps and it becomes a lot easier so so yeah, yeah. No, i was uh i was i was happy with how it turned out it was great because it only took me two days front to back to assemble it because it was work i would have done anyway for another video yeah and now that's its own video which is great yeah <laughs> so yay <laughs> Uh, we're all finding creative ways to get through the January content slump. Yeah, I mean, it happens. It's, you know, YouTubers work so hard to, to really get those those December, November ad revenues, and then they kind of fall off a cliff a little bit in January, and they come back up, but it's like, you know, you're not going to take a vacation in the second half of January, so, you know, first bit of, or in the second half of December, so first bit of yeah. January makes a lot more sense, because it's like, oh, if the, if the CPMs are already going to be lower, take the break then, so we're... We're doing some self-care. We're taking care of ourselves. We had a very long year, so a few, a few little, little mini videos, uh, some more, more bite-sized uh, pieces, and, and ones that aren't as terribly complex to assemble as your, your journey to the West, your, your Mondo <laughs> history summarized, your, your big thicko misk myth videos, uh, videos that are a lot less effort, more chill. Uh, it's how we, uh, we take care of ourselves and get through this January and early February. So, uh, yeah. if you've been enjoying them, uh, despite the fact that they're not, you know, quite the usual fare, uh, we appreciate that, but rest assured, uh, the, the regular, uh, stuff that you love is, is on the way back, um, soon enough. So soon yeah. it was actually quite cool because like, I think we were all kind of like, okay, you know, January, it's a new year. We're all very tired. January, you know, uh, everyone that was advertising for Christmas pulls all of their ads, uh, and, uh, across the board, I don't know if, uh, other YouTubers have mentioned this so much, but, like, everyone's ad revenue tanks in January. Uh, in December, it's like, oh, man. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of a nightmare to watch because there's, like, two ads playing back-to-back -back in every ad break, and they're mostly yeah. unskippable. But it's, like, it, it's it's pennies from heaven, man. It, it's revenue for everybody. And then in January, they're like, all right, get it out of the way, which is kind of similar to what happened in um, April of 2020 because all the advertisers had to pull every single ad they had that was like, <laughs> go outside, vacation with Verbo, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, oh hold on, <laughs> in yeah. these troubled times, uh, you know. <laughs> so for that whole uh, month, <laughs> nothing. Buy a Ford. Uh, if you're going to get it, you might as well get it here. <laughs> you like adventuring in hermetically sealed and safe environments? Buy a car. <laughs> when you... Ford. Ford. That's an yeah. old inside gaming reference for you kids <laughs> out there. Ford. Anyway. Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, so basically, uh, uh, you know, when, when we were sort of figuring out what to do, it's like, okay, we don't want to take a break. We don't want to stop our Friday upload schedule because we really like making videos and putting them out every week. Uh, but it was kind of like, okay, what can we do that 
that's like chill that gives yeah. us time to recover and build up stuff for later and, and yeah. it was like okay i can do a detailed diatribe i've been meaning to talk about dragon ball for ages and and you were like yeah i can i can do this cool map thing i do it already so like it's no skin off my nose um and it just worked out really well uh, yeah. and also for some ungodly reason the algorithm was like oh my god how long has this video about smart guys been there and just like <laughs> ramped it up the algorithm so like for three weeks straight it was just like what is happening to our views uh, so it's been a kind of weird January, considering we were yeah. like, all right, we're going to bunker in, we're going to hibernate, it's going to be chill, it's going to be quiet, where are these one million people coming from? Yeah. Uh, so. it's, it, I mean, it does happen that, that January is a big time for discoverability, because since the subscription boxes slow down, people start looking a little bit farther afield. So mm. a lot of, like, if you ask channels, you know, when they got, you know, their their first big rush of viewerships, not most of them, but... A sizable handful will tell you January because, you know, everyone's usual subscribers slow down. So people start like investigating into different little corners of YouTube. So a lot of people, you know, hit their strides uh, in January. I mean, we we hit our stride around finals week uh, in 2017, <laughs> but that was for, you know, because we're an educational channel. Yep. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's 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 fun to, to kind of take it slow, take care of ourselves, rather go a little light then just burn out entirely uh, <laughs> and we're, we're having fun doing this kind of stuff and we hope that you're enjoying it as well but um, yeah things are looking good uh, we've, yeah. we've got buffers again yes. like content yeah. that we're not making week of which is fantastico um, yeah so uh, look forward to uh, a somewhat return to regular content next week and uh, I guess in the meantime, we've got like a like a couple announcements. I yep, think just two. Um, we've uh, first is the uh, the Wukong toy. So Red, you can uh, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so basically, uh, for those of you who missed this, uh, we partnered with uh, Doomco Designs, which does uh, vinyl toy design and virtual reality, which is quite cool. You should check out his Instagram. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and basically, they're making a Sun Wukong vinyl toy based on um, a uh, drawing I did and uh, 3D modeling that the uh, designers did. And the pre-order window for that closes at the end of January. So basically after that, uh, they're going to be in production and you won't be able to order one for a while. But then once they get physically manufactured, probably closer to the middle of the year, then they're just going to be available in Doomco Design's shop for like ever. So yeah. if you want to pre-order one of the first ones right now, you can do that. We'll link it in the show notes. It'll be very exciting. Yep. Uh, but also Those stay will tuned. show up early summer. And Hopefully, then yeah. once, you know, that first shipment shows up, then you can, you know, place orders again and yeah. just, like, order one, like, from from Doomco Design's own, yeah. you know, personal stock, and then they'll ship out a lot faster. So there's there's this little, little like, four or five month gap, and then they're going to be in stock basically forever. But if you want it, if you want to get in this first round, get the pre-order. Basically, once the mold exists, it'll be really easy to make them forever, but making the mold is going to take a hot second. So that yeah. that's the logistics behind that. It'll be very exciting. Um... Yeah, so that's uh, that's the toy announcement. Yeah. Um, we are also, uh, for the second announcement, thrilled that next week, or next episode, oops, uh, we will now. be joined by uh, our friends Nando V Movies, um, who is a great uh, YouTube channel in the, um, like, comic, movie, TV, um, like, fantasy, kind of sci-fi um, media space, who does a lot of cool film criticism, um, like, alternate storytelling stuff. Uh, he's really great. Yep. Um, he organized the One Villainous Scene collab last year which is what you must be the yes. belmont was from so we're really excited to have him on the podcast in two weeks so stay tuned for that but uh that's pretty much all the announcements we've got going on it's january it's you know mostly a slow time but Chill, uh it sleepy. is uh, just about time for us to transition into the q a portion of the video yeah 
and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. This uh, first questions normally come from our patrons, but because this is episode 35, it's time for your favorite bit and mine, the lightning round. For those in the audience who might just be joining us for this for the first time, I'm going to be going through the very extensive list of media properties that you have asked if we have heard of, and Red, Blue will just be giving us the have they seen it, have they not, quick, snappy thoughts. We're trying to move through stuff at a rapid pace. Thus, the use of lightning. Lightning is fast. I think that's what anime taught me. So, without further ado, uh, the first media property around the world in 80 days, 2021. So, not the best picture winner from like the 1920. Uh, I've or seen 50s. the Jackie Chan version. Is there a new one? <laughs> Wait, we're not talking about the book? Nope. Around. Around. Well, the we're all confused. World. Okay, yeah, next property. <laughs> the book was pretty cool, though. I think it might be like a drama series or something that came out recently. Drama? Yep. The book is a, it, isn't it like a comedy or like a just a weird shit happens adventure? Also, there's Apparently a Jackie Chan a, version? It's yes, a, oh, it's, it's a great. Who does yes. he fight? He has to fight somebody. He fights everybody <laughs> around the world. There's no fight scenes in Around the World in 80 Days. They added them for Mr. Chan. Uh, <laughs> there was a eight episode miniseries starring David Tennant that came out in 2021. But I That's assume what that David Tennant was it. doing. Okay. So, next up. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> that was wild. Okay, next property. <laughs> Epic the musical, an Odyssey musical a guy on TikTok has been making, which explains a lot of the audios that I have been hearing recently. Uh, um, no. Um, no. No, but... I don't use TikTok, uh, sorry. ABD Illustrates <laughs> drew a character from it. Oh, yeah. That's all I know about it. <laughs> yeah. Nice. The Good Place. No, but okay. I've heard good things about it. I, uh, I got through season two, and I tried to watch season three, but I watched it as it aired, so every episode I had no fucking idea what happened on the last <laughs> one, and I eventually just quit. I, I'll go yeah. through and watch it eventually, but I could not watch that show as it aired. A friend of mine was, like, culture. really into it as it was airing, so, like, with the first... She, she kind of, like, very gently was like, have you heard of this? And I was like, not really, it's not really my thing. She was like, oh, it's really cool. The, the season one finale just aired, and um, there's this really cool twist I don't want to spoil. And then, of course, later, the internet was like, oh my god! God, it's the bad place actually I was like oh I guess that's what she was talking about I, my, I, I will say my favorite joke in probably anything is when Eleanor yes. is like who died and left Aristotle in charge of moral philosophy and Chidi's like Plato <laughs> one of the best like executed the, uh, philosophy jokes of all time yeah. the, the origin okay. of the uh, oh Beyonce we're really in it now me yes is that Beyonce uh, what's the original poster he's looking at I've only seen it like with next next show, <laughs> next property. Peacemaker, the DC James Gunn mini nah. series, ongoing series. I think it just started coming out. It has like a crazy title sequence or something. Is basically what I've heard yeah. of it. Well, it's no. like a spinoff from the Suicide Squad, which I also haven't yeah, seen. Yeah, it's John I've heard Cena. it's good. I just haven't watched it. Yeah. Encanto. Uh, yes. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty good. The more I thought about it, the more I was like, wait, that doesn't work. But the songs were really solid. I have not seen it. Epithet erased. Epithet? Oh yes, Epithet? yes. Uh, our our boy uh, Brendan Blaber, uh, Jello Apocalypse, made that, uh, and it's really fun. So definitely look that up if you haven't watched it. But then don't harass him for more episodes because it takes a really long time to animate, even in a sort of storybook style. So I have not. Yes. <laughs> boy meets world. Uh, no. No. Six the musical. No. It's all like Henry the whatever's wives. They're on the oh, that's interesting. Neat concept, but no. Yeah, no, no, sorry. <laughs> Outer Wilds. 
I want to play it, but I have not played it yet. It seems really cool. It's space archaeology that rules, but I haven't played it. Yeah. Partially because I'm, like, dumb and don't understand (laughs) games really well when they're, like, a mystery, so I'm probably going to be bad at it, but I do want to play it at some point. (laughs) Yeah. No, not at all for me. The Martian, 2015, so the movie. No, but I've heard only good things about it, and I've seen a lot of the memes, so... Matt Damon in space once again. And isn't there a bit where Sean Bean expl- like either explains or doesn't get a Lord of the Rings reference in that movie? I thought you were going to say, is there a scene where Sean Bean dies in that movie? No, and I feel no. like it's a spoiler for every Sean Bean movie ever made. Sean Bean does survive more than you might expect. The it's Sean not Bean cinematic movie. universe. They're all connected. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, next that movie. includes Jupiter Ascent. Yes. Sorry, he just guys. keeps getting reincarnated in the next movie. Uh, hmm. Archer. Yeah. Uh, for a while, yeah. I I know it got weird in later seasons. I just kind of fell yeah. off the wagon. It's like I watched all of it up to a point, and then after that, mm-hmm. when it kept airing, I was like, nah. I love the three-episode sequence where he becomes a pirate king. That's fun. I love that that <laughs> voice actor... And the murder mystery, Los Scandalo. That's the best episode. <laughs> yes. yes. I love that that voice actor is also in Bob's Burgers and, like, does exactly mm-hmm. the same voice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they parody that in the old, like, cold but open for one so of well. the seasons, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Daft Punk. The, the band. The, uh, I mean, the robot yeah, cultural hurt, osmosis. Harder, better, faster, stronger. Um, they did the whole Tron Legacy soundtrack. Oh God, they it's did. Whole, yeah. It's just a whole Daft Punk album. Um, be more chill. Uh no, I've heard the no. name. I think it's a musical, but no. Hmm. High hopes, low rolls. Oh, slash shrieking uh, wizard co. ABD uh, illustrates. I have not, but uh, I've watched some of the speed paints, and it looks yeah. really cool. Yeah, I've seen the art for it, but I also haven't watched it. Uh, anything by Ursula Vernon, either as herself or under her T. Kingfisher pen name? Not I a clue. don't think so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the Art of War. Yeah. Uh, we're getting yes. a real range here today. Yeah, yeah. Sun Tzu's classic. <laughs> it's great. I mean, it's been a while. I was like in sixth grade, but I have read it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I read it in translation. Indigo, you can probably one-up me on that, but well, I don't know. Oh, I, I haven't read any of it, so <laughs> I, I got are, nothing on you here. <laughs> there are a few people who have written an Art of War. There's, of course, Sun Tzu's, which is the most famous. Machiavelli also wrote an Art of War, of which is mainly like 70 chapters of him saying, why would you ever hire mercenaries? They're such a colossal waste of money. <laughs> Fucking never do it. And then, like, all of Italy hired mercenaries anyway, which is why in the Italian wars, France and Germany and Spain stomped on them, because none of the Italian states had standing armies it's just anyway. machiavelli's really long one-star yelp review for these mercenaries who bought yeah. this one time so and then sun tzu's one have... is great because uh sun tzu's <laughs> mostly just like if you're thinking you're gonna lose don't do that and have you considered getting good yeah so, try winning yeah, my understanding idiot. Is the art of war basically just reads like a self-help novel but specifically for generals um yeah love that man uh code lyoko Unfortunately, uh, yes. <laughs> actually, no. I had to look it up once because someone commissioned me to draw one of the characters from it, and I was like, this show looks really weird while I was drawing it. Um, it's bonkers. <laughs> how how bad? How weird? What's the It's gist? one of those shows where the exact same, like, five plot points happen every single episode, like, 80 million times over for every episode in the series. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's really weird. Uh, Fantastic. Thomas and Friends. The tank uh, engine? <laughs> yes. I mean, uh, yeah, when I was like five, but I haven't kept up to date on it. Thomas lore. Are you not up and up on your Thomas the Tank Engine lore? You Tragedy. haven't watched the musical adaptation, Starlight Express. God. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, last one here, Tuttenstein. Uh, 
This one I, I watched when I was a kid. It was like a Discovery Family cartoon where like a a child pharaoh was reanimated in the 21st century in a museum in like Chicago or something. What? And he hung out with a 12-year-old girl and they went on adventures. Uh... This was like during the heyday of the like Discovery Channel cartoons. It was like this and like the Time Warp Trio and all of that. Was I'm modern it's a media a mistake? <laughs> <laughs> I remember it being charming. Okay. I was 10, people... but still. I wonder where that genre of like, what if a mummy came back to life and was my friend? Because it's oddly common in certain fields. Hmm. <laughs> we don't have like... time to unpack all of that. <laughs> Let's get on to the Patreon question. Yeah, yeah so this, that was the conclusion. I lost, I couldn't choose a word there for a minute. This is the conclusion hmm. of the lightning round for this episode. We will be back in five episodes with another lightning round, so feel free to keep sending in your media properties. And if you've already sent in your media property, we will get to it. I promise. I see you in our... I see you typing away in the Discord every day. Like a... (laughs) Why does every lightning round mentally stunlock all three of us? (laughs) Well, lightning, stun, it all it's all connected. Uh, so this first question comes from one of our lovely patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, support the channel, consider becoming a patron and have a chance for your question to be read first in a future episode. This question comes from Tricks Up My Sleeve. To all, what kind of audio setups do you use for podcasting and recording videos? Hardware, software. Ooh. What's your what's your what's your setup look like? And I fully pick this one because I wanna I, I I'm a geek for this stuff, so I wanna know. Yes, good. Um, <laughs> um well, I can go first. Uh, I have uh, an Audio Technica mic. Uh, I I got it because I had an Audio Technica USB mic for years and years that was very reliable. But I was informed that USB mics always have a certain level of background hiss and aren't mm-hmm. considered a professional level for sound recording. And I was like, oh no, I got to get on this. Uh, so I got basically the non-USB version of the same mic I had. I had an Audio Technica 2020 USB mic, so what I probably have now is an Audio Technica 2020 non-USB mic. Mm. Um, I have a Focusrite Scarlett as a preamp. So for those of you who don't know how this works, basically a USB yes. mic is a microphone that plugs directly into a USB port. It's plug and play. It just works immediately. Um, a non-USB mic is a little more complicated. Basically, you need to plug it into a preamp, and then you plug the preamp into the USB port. And that preamp lets you do things like control the gain. Uh, it, sometimes mics require uh, power before they work. Mm-hmm. This preamp has a button that does that to turn the mic on. Um, it's got a headphone jack, all that stuff. Uh, it also has a, a thing where I can plug in my electric guitar, but for some reason it always has this hum in the background, so I've never used it. It really annoys me. <laughs> uh, so that's the microphone setup. I also have a pop filter in front of it just because, you know, that way I don't need to swallow my plosives uh, and I don't yes. risk spiking that out. Uh, behind that, I have soundproofing foam on the walls, and I have a, uh, a like, kind of faux fur blanket over the desk to just muffle the sound, because if it were a hard surface, it would produce echoes, and this sort of helps disrupt that. Uh, And to fill the hole in the soundproofing foam that I had left, I have a big plushie of a Shiba Inu shaped like a sphere that I get to look in the eyes every time I record. So (laughs) that is my audio setup. Nice. What, what, um... It's oh yeah, sorry, Blue. Go through, go through, go through. Your, we'll do hardware first and software. Okay. So Blue, go okay. through what your your hardware situation is. Yeah, um, I think Red and I both use GarageBand, but as far as hardware goes, um, <laughs> I have a Rode NT USB because I do not care as much about getting rid of that hiss. I can't hear the difference, so it's good enough for me. Um, I have. I mean, it's it's a really good USB mic, but it is yeah. still a USB mic because I. 
I got this when I was in my last apartment where I really did not have a lot of space to put anything and no part of my setup was ever permanent because I had to keep on like packing everything mm -hmm. up and putting it away all the time if I wanted to have space to do anything else. Mm -hmm. So um, I had to have a setup that was that was a little bit modular and adjustable. So it's a really good high quality mic. It's got a little shield around the back with some some soft um, some soft padding. Uh, I, I don't know if that was a, another Rode product or if I got it from somewhere else, but it's, it's a good little... Um, kind of uh uh what's the word it's it's good in a pinch uh if i soundproofed every single corner of my room that would probably be better but uh this is a little shield behind it which gets a lot of the um echo out and then there's a pop filter in front i also i don't have like eggshell crate or egg crate uh foam on my walls but i have some two by two uh, acoustic panels that I put up near the top of my ceiling. There's a website that does um, acoustic sound paneling and you put in like the square footage of your room and they'll tell you about how much square footage of sound paneling you need. Um, and it was like, oh, based on this, you need like seven uh, two by two panels. I got them in blue and white. I put them up on my wall and I didn't think it would really do enough, but this room originally was extremely echoey. And now with these panels in, it's mm -hmm. like super mm -hmm. quiet and chill. So it actually ends up working really well. I've got some soft padding behind um, uh, my laptop on my desk. I have a couple couple little um, soft mats down on my actual desk itself, but um, despite the fact that it, it cuts a few more corners than Red's setup, I found <laughs> that it works well enough for me, and it's a lot better than my old apartment, where if you go to the early podcasts, you'll hear my heater click on every 30 minutes, um, and I don't have to worry Love about that, that anymore, so as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> I'm living the dream. Woo! Yeah, yeah, uh, kind of similar to Blue for the last year, I was recording on a much more like run-and-gun setup, because I was working from a very small apartment desk and I had to be able to take my mic up and down. Uh, also using an Audio-Technica mic. Uh, I was using the um, ATR 2100X USB mic uh, for most of the early podcasts. And just as sort of like a blanket endorsement, the Audio-Technica mics are great bang for your buck if you're looking for like a nice consumer grade one. Even yeah, the USB fantastic. ones that have hiss are um, for almost every single purpose great unless you were doing like professional voice work you're really going to get a lot of mileage out of those uh but now i, I leveraged my existing um scarlet 2i2 uh preamp to get a much better mic uh and now i record on the sure sm7b which is very very fancy and um pricier than i care to admit but i <laughs> do this for a living so it's fine yeah. um and, and yeah that's basically the whole setup it just runs into my mac and then um as for, like, software, what we use for the podcast, uh, what I use for the podcast, is we record in a remote studio um, called Riverside FM, which is basically a fancy Zoom geared towards podcasters. So It's, it's great. Help Riverside yeah. is great. fantastic. <laughs> uh, in the old days of the podcast, we recorded on Discord, so we've, we've upgraded in terms of uh, ease of use, but you can do a lot with a little in this kind of area. Um, and then the editing of the podcast itself happens in uh, Adobe Audition primarily, um, I have the Adobe Suites through freelance work, so I tend to do a lot with whatever I can in there since I already have the subscription. I don't, I think, I don't think you guys use them for your videos, though. Mm -mm. It's also like, I mean, our settings have, our, our setups have been upgraded over the past several years. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I spent years recording on my Audio Technica USB mic. I would set it on a comfy chair and face into the back of the chair and use yeah. that as my soundproofing foam. This got me through all of college and like a year or two after it. So like it, if you can't hear the difference, 
that's good. <laughs> that means my current setup is fine, but it also means my, my last <laughs> setup was pretty good. Uh, yeah. And it, it's, you, you know, you can do a lot with a little. Uh, we actually, yes. um, oh, let me check. Uh, we follow a few voice actors on Twitter, uh, including uh, Sumali Montano, who has this tendency of, like, posting her quick setups she does in hotel rooms when she has to record while on yeah. the go and like just today she posted where she's got like her little mic set up underneath a hotel blanket for soundproofing <laughs> so it's like you you can do a lot you don't need a full soundproofed room or a studio yeah. you can really get solid workable in, audio in like creativity counts for a lot yeah. yeah in my experience with audio like the most run and gun setups and the most incredibly highly honed in setups are almost equally good like the, the highly set up ones are always going to be a little bit better but in terms of like production value you can get so much with so little in audio production where if you just have like a decent mic and some pillows you are almost as set as if you have a very high-end mic and some professional soundproofing so like yeah. you yeah. could do uh i recorded almost everything that i ever needed to in college in the bottom of a closet that had jackets in it because they were good soundproofing <laughs> and it that was a is small a classic space. life hack a small a closet with space. clothes in it will do a better job of muffling the sound than any amount of eggshell foam or egg yeah. carton yep. foam oh no you got me doing it. um, um. <laughs> but what what software do you guys use to edit your videos right uh the, the videos or their our audio it's both videos is probably important well, both so, uh, probably to record the audio, uh, I use GarageBand uh, because it's built in, and I don't need to do anything fancier. And I don't do yep. any fancy tweaks in GarageBand. What basically the only thing I do is that uh, the uh, the preset that uh, GarageBand uses for narration vocals has a small amount of reverb and echo added into it, and this drove me nuts when I was setting <laughs> up this new setup because I was like, I've I've echo proofed my recording studio as much as I can. Where is this echo coming from? Mm -hmm. And it took me like. It you can get into a very bad, rather obsessive headspace if yes. you're trying to perfectly uh, optimize your audio setup. And I will still sometimes when I'm listening to the podcast on my phone, I'll be like, my audio is a little tinny, and I'm like, it's on a phone. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> um, but uh, I when I found that there was a little dial for echo and reverb, and it was notched up to one, I was like, oh. So now I have a uh, a modified version of that with those dials mm. set to zero. I haven't tweaked any of the other settings, and I just record the audio clean. And I don't edit it in GarageBand at all. I just export the audio raw, and then I bring it into Final Cut, and then I do all my timing edits in there because it's just, it's easier. Final Cut automatically snaps stuff in the main timeline to the last bit, so if I cut out a breath, I don't need to then painstakingly move the rest of the audio till it perfectly aligns. It's just easier <laughs> for me. Um, and then I just, yeah, just edit it in Final Cut, and then I start adding visuals to it, and then we're good. So that's, uh, that's my Solid. setup. Yeah, yep. I do. I do pretty much the exact same thing. I, I tend to edit the timing of my audio in GarageBand and then export it because I like having a little bit of that like granular control to be able to to adjust um, mm. things more specifically than just like kind of paging through on on Final Cut. But either way is fine. It's just it's just preference. Um, but yeah, no, mm -hmm. we, we use the exact same uh, software. Yep. Yeah. Super super cool. Well, we'll move on to another question. This one comes from Enter Sandman. To all, but specifically Blue, I'm studying art history. What are some of your favorite artistic works or movements throughout history? Thanks for the Ooh. great content and have a lovely day. So what are some um, uh, artistic movements that you're fond of? Yeah, I I mean, my answer to this question is probably predictable and probably a little biased because a lot of the bulk of an art history class is probably spent 
after about 1600 because you get like like Flemish painting, you get um, a lot of like Baroque art, you get high academic art in the 1800s, you get a lot of the um, like more enlightenment naturalistic styles of painting. And then in the 1900s, you get like Impressionism and then the whole like modernist boom with like uh, cubism and all kinds of wacky everything else and then postmodernism, contemporary, all that stuff. Um, and I don't touch any of that. I, I just don't care. <laughs> um, I, it, I don't think it's bad. I just don't care. Um, most of my interest lies where my historical interest lies because it's all kind of wrapped mm. up in the aesthetic of the cultures that I like to talk about. So um, I, I really like uh, ancient Greek art, obviously. Uh, ancient Roman art is cool because there's just a lot of volume of it, which is really neat. Greek art is obviously great, but so little of it survives um, overall uh, compared to Roman art where there's the, there's Roman shit in every corner of the Mediterranean and then some. Uh, so there's just so much <laughs> of a, a, a wealth of, of stuff to work on. Byzantine art is really sparse um so it's kind of tough to do that uh obviously the the style of byzantine art has lasted uh via the style of orthodox artworks mosaics painting that if you go into any like eastern orthodox church you'll find all kinds of great stuff but a lot of that's mm. modern all the stuff from the byzantine era aside from like hagia sophia and a couple monasteries in greece are pretty much toast um so it's, it's a little tough renaissance is great because there's a lot of it that survives and it's it's at this really cool intersection of a bunch of different movements um also uh uh islamic geometry and calligraphy is just mm. gorgeous i don't know a lot about it but it's yeah. really really cool um so there, there's a lot of cool different stuff i mean it's pretty much all the same places i like to talk about the history i also like to talk about the art because the <laughs> visual culture is so much of a component of the kind of civilization scale stuff that i talk about that it's uh yeah there's, there's a lot of cool stuff uh wrapped up in there Every time yeah, I, I go to the Met, I just go look at the swords. So swords I, I feel yeah. very uncultured in this question. It's no, like, the I swords should kick ass. Swords oh, are the swords valid. Kind of Enti- ass, there's um, yeah. the Philadelphia Museum of Art has like a hall of armor. and It's the coolest hall room in the yeah. entire building. Yeah, yeah. Um, find your Blue local Earth museum's Fun- armory shelf and then yeah. just spend an hour there. Absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Um, the museum in Edinburgh, the like public museum of Edinburgh was very similar. Yeah. Mm. Um, Blue, I always find your opinions on art very fun because I think you and I are exact opposites in terms of which particular eras of art we really like because I love modern and contemporary stuff. Um, so we, I think it really we, we had this yeah. debate a couple times back in college yeah. when you had like the um, <laughs> the banana taped to a wall. You're like, this is great. And I'm like, this I'm going to kill you, great. Indigo. <laughs> I, have a, uh, I have a tacit dislike of modern art because um, I I don't really know if this is a fair opinion, but I really like when you can see how much work went into art. Like, Mm. you know, when you look at the huge paintings and you can, you know, if you get close, you can see the brush strokes and you're like, wow, this person did a lot of work to build up this light and shadow and this color. And like, you know, when, when you see the process of painting, it's like they're underpainting in a color that isn't going to show through in the final version, but they know exactly what it's going to look like. And that's beautiful. Um, And I remember the exact moment where I decided that I was going to dislike modern art quote unquote, for the rest of my life, (laughs) was when uh, we took a middle school field trip to, I think, the Modern Wing in the Art Institute in Chicago. And um, Mm. there was a there was a display that was a string of light bulbs hanging from the ceiling. And some of the light bulbs were like burned out or off. And there was like a plaque, a card about like what what it meant. And I was just so offended that this museum had bought 
a string of regular light bulbs for like $40,000 and was trying to justify it with, no, it's super meaningful. It's like the the odd number or possibly even number of lights that are on means something about the artist. And it's like at that point, at that point, the art is not what's on the wall. The art is what's written on the card. You know, like it's... I- it just I, I, tells you, here's what you should be thinking about when you look at this, and you're like, ah, now I'm feeling something. It's like, that means the art didn't make you feel something. The writing project attached to the art made you feel something. I, given that, I will also say that the discussion of modern art TM is mm. a little bit tricky because there is, like, the stuff you think about when you think of modern art, but mm-hmm. there is also a lot of modern artists that are doing gorgeous works in styles that might mm. recall older styles in, in their own new kinds of style. Like, digital art is modern art. So yeah. much of it is yeah. absolutely yeah. beautiful and impossible any time before, like, 2005. Oh, agreed. Um, so, As someone so who does digital is, art. <laughs> is really cool. And, and there's a lot of really great art that is being creative now, just like how, you know, a lot of people don't like classical music, but people really like modern orchestral music because it plays to our sensibilities. It has a stronger mm-hmm. sense of melody. It's a little easier to follow than a lot of classical pieces. Granted, a lot of classical music is great, but if you don't know what you're listening for, it's a little bit tricky. So yeah. like yeah. that said, also part of my like whole thing with the contemporary art market is that a lot of it is just straight up money laundering. Or someone <laughs> yeah. will just paint I, some I bullshit like on something. <laughs> And then take it to the rich friend, like, this is worth $40 million. And they're like, oh, this is worth $40 million. They donate it to a museum and get a $40 million tax write-off for a painting that costs 20 cents to make. Yes. When I say I like modern and contemporary art, I am very specifically talking about, like, art for art's sake and not any part of the, like, fine art industry. For me, what I've always liked about them is that I feel like these are the two kind of, like, movements in art where you start to see the question artists are asking change from, like, what can art do? Like, what styles can we do to what is art? And for me, I find that a more interesting question, but I recognize that it does breed some absolute nonsense because for every, (laughs) like, Ai Weiwei sunflower seed installation, you get a string of light bulbs. So (laughs) it's a bit more of a toss-up. But someone's got a good bat for it. (laughs) When it's good, it is great. When modern art is good, it's fantastic. But... It is unfortunate that there is so much of a just tidal wave of trash in between the gems that it makes it really hard to find the stuff that's actually good. I do think that it's interesting too. That stuff will stick around in like 30 to 40 years, Because some of that might just be because that's the thing. I Part of it is that we're actively living through those movements. So it is <sighs> harder it, that was to what I was filter gonna say. out. Yeah. Because, you know, it's when we're looking back on like the Renaissance, we're looking back on the best works of the Renaissance. We're not yeah, looking at every single painting that came <laughs> yeah. out in the, those, those periods. Um and I We're think mostly looking at the Michelangelo to... works where he's in his comfort zone and not when he's yes. trying to paint any women, for Sculpting instance. Sculpting hot dudes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it's 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 interesting to like live through the active weeding out of what works will live on. Uh, but to to continue this podcast, uh, this question comes from boring username to all from the New Year's po- uh, OS pod. What are ace rings? Oh, I, real quick, I just want to the concept of. That not actually being the person's username, but you just putting them on blast by calling that's their username had boring. On Discord. That's obviously not what oh. happened, but the thought of that being what happened is very funny uh, to me. Yes. Well, I'm uh, glad you're entertained. To answer boring username's question, um, the uh, the ace ring is uh, it's it's basically just a thing that uh, the ace community came up with several years back, uh, where basically uh, in order to be like. What's up? I'm Ace. Uh, you wear a black ring on the middle finger of your right hand uh, to just kind of be like, this is a thing. It's it's not exactly like a subtle symbol so that other Ace people can be like, yo, although I have had that happen on several occasions. Um, 
it's uh it's just kind of a cute little like hey let's uh let's do this um fun fact if you wear a black ring on any other finger of that hand, you might be signaling that you are a swinger. And the website for swingers that specifies this actually says, if you wear it on the middle finger, this signifies you're a member of the asexual community instead. And it's oh. like, well, thank you, swingers community. Solidarity. Your is appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> How good. Um, well, you know, that was a surprisingly positive turn for that story to take. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I hope that's still Thanks, up guys. there. I just remember when I was looking up Ace Ring, I accidentally found this thing, and suddenly it was like, wow, this is oddly huh. positive for the most Incredible. antithetical thing I can think of. That's like a Golden um, Girls plotline. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yep. Well, this next question comes from Rejected Blue Man Group member, 2Blue. <laughs> what is your take on old maps? Every historian I know either hates them or gushes over them. Uh, yeah. I'm an enthusiast, but it's no secret that I love them, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. So what do you think about old maps, dude? It- I mean, I guess it depends on what we define as old, because we have, you know, like, maps from the, like, you know, 16, 17, 1800s, and we actually, like, knew what the world looks like. And then you have, like, Muhammad al-Adrisi's, like, map of the world from, like, 1170 in the Norman, you know, Sicilian kingdom, when it's like, I think this is what the world looks like, but I'm not entirely <laughs> sure. Um, I think the early history of cartography is really cool when you see people, like, doing their best to just figure it out. And when you get, you know, maps of, like, the whole world after the whole age of exploration and all that stuff, um, I mean, they, they look really cool. It's definitely an aesthetic. It's not my aesthetic, um, but I think they are extremely cool. I don't have a desire to, to go out and, and, you know, get an old map of, of the world and, and, you know, sling it on my wall. But the, the kind of <laughs> like black and white maps of, of cities and, and stuff is really cool. I have um, a map that was made in the 1800s of ancient Rome. Uh, it's in a little little paper frame uh, above my desk, which I think is really neat. And, it, you know, that technically is an old map, but it's not like what you think about when you have, you know, mm-hmm. someone who spent like $2,000 to get, yeah. you know, some antique, you know, kind of map thing. So, I mean, they're cool. They're, they're really yeah. cool uh, if, if it's your vibe. Um, it's kind of fun playing a game of when the hell was this map made based on the features <laughs> that exist on the map. Like, yeah. is California still described as an island for no reason? Uh, <laughs> is Alaska filled in yet? Um, yeah. Yeah, old maps are interesting. Uh, again, like, not to own, but I think they're really cool because a lot of times you can tell exactly where the cartographer lived and where they hadn't been. Uh, mm-hmm. because the par- the parts where they live, it might be a little bit out of proportion because, you know, if you're looking at it from ground level, it can be a little hard to be like, this coastline is this relative, you know, th- this bump is this big compared to this other thing. Uh, but then as you get farther out, it's like, hmm, well, that's where the East Coast of America is supposed to be, but instead they're just doing this thing or, you know, they, yeah. they just kind of kept drawing the squiggles all the way up or yeah. like they'll <laughs> label something weird. And it's just interesting to kind of be like, yeah. as far as they were concerned, this was the world and everything beyond it could be anything. Yeah. So there mm-hmm. is a really cool, like not like a genre of maps, but a style like early 1900s political maps um, from other places in the world, like, um, you know, uh, map of the world according to like 1905 Imperial Japan, map mm-hmm. of the world according to turn of the century Ottoman Empire, where you see like all the labels in different languages. I just think that's really neat, even if I can't read any of it. <laughs> yes. uh, th- yeah. Those are fun because you can see like how different, you know, map making, you know, traits developed and how that reflects like local artistic sensibilities 
mm-hmm. as opposed to like, oh yes, this is the way that like French and German and like British cartographers did it. Therefore, this has to be how everyone else does it. So th- the ways that different people think of, of geometry, like Ottoman maps in general are really, really neat just because of the way that they do the drawings. Um, so, so yeah, no, it's, it's fun. There, there's a lot, it's, it's like painting. It's, it's its own thing, even though they're all yeah. technically showing the same damn globe. Uh, the way that ideas are, are expressed are, are really cool. And I, I think that is fun. Yes. Yes. I'm always just disappointed when I look at a map and it doesn't have a national treasure style secret written on the back of it and it's the link. <laughs> yeah. I know that's that not a practical consideration, hurt but my it... soul. <laughs> We're going to cover it in lemon juice and bake it in the oven. Mm-hmm. It's the fucking Declaration of Independence. <laughs> this won't hurt this centuries old paper at all. Every like God. museum preservationist was just crying at watching that scene. Um, but it we was bad time, enough I when think. he used it to block bullets, and now he's like lemon juice, <laughs> no gloves, <laughs> no constitutions were harmed in the making of this podcast. Uh, we've got time, I think, for one last question before we wrap Alrighty. it on up, and this should be a, a little bit of a fun one. So this comes from Phantom Cat to all: Who is what part of the Triforce? Power, wisdom, oh. and courage. Tag oh. yourself. <laughs> That is tough. There, mm-hmm. I, I guess let's let's say all three of us here. Right. That is, yes. um, this is interesting because it's not as loaded of a selection as like who's the hero, who's the lancer, who's the dummy. <laughs> um, so I think uh, there's I, blue. Not to put you on blast, but I think you are the obvious pick for wisdom out of the three of us. Mm. I'll take I it. feel like yeah, you definitely have more opinions on art history than the rest of us. <laughs> I'm just imagining Zelda like looking at old Hylian lore, like I can't believe they decided to paint the person in profile like this. They Honestly. Look like Idiot. <laughs> I could totally see Breath of the Wild Zelda having very strong opinions on oh, yeah. portraits absolutely. in Hyrule Castle. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, no. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll take wisdom. I'll take yeah. it. Yeah, I can yeah. do. So that um, leaves power and courage. I mean, the, the, the wisdom <laughs> part of the Triforce is canonically blue, right? Uh, it's uh, usually... It, um, let's see. Uh, courage is green, Jaboon's power is like red. Pearl or whatever. So it has to be blue, yeah. 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 Wow. Huh. Wow, thematic. Yeah, so now it's just courage versus power. Courage versus power. Um, hmm, I think you could make a solid argument for either one. Mm. Indigo, you do network a lot more than I do, which could uh, could be seen as more of a desire for strength and, and military yes, might. But I'm slowly uh, taking over Hyrule with my army of podcasters and other content creators. <laughs> Beware, we will live stream the whole event. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, what Ganon was lacking, PR. <laughs> Honestly, Ganon's PR person would be the most fun job I can think of. I've never wanted a fictional job more than... <laughs> <laughs> Just a little oh, spin no. doctor for the big man. Yeah, unfortunately, most of his minions in command have been kind of more unsettling than he is. They've been a little yes, chaotic evil to his I lawful think that evil. The, the easy PR strat for Ganon is to make Ganon sexy again. I think that that's the obvious answer. I mean, mission accomplished if the rehydration is anything to go by. Yeah, you know, um, look, in Nintendo, I'm available for contract work. (laughs) I will say that after that trailer dropped and suddenly everyone was talking about rehydrated Ganon, I saw a huge uptick in theories that maybe Ganon was good this time around, actually. And it's like, guys, he's allowed to be sexy and evil. (laughs) Have we learned nothing from Disney? (laughs) (laughs) Ganon, but with the personality of Gaston. Oh, God. <laughs> all right okay all power right, right. or courage question. power courage oh man oof it's tricky um i mean all right there's got to be something that tips the scales 
Yeah. Uh, I think. Blue, do you have any thoughts? Yes, let, please. Let me let me say this because of I, I'm thinking back in terms of like like you know podcast canon and stuff like that. The <laughs> fact that uh, in both New Year's podcasts, like. 50% of the top comments were, oh my god, Red has a throne. I think that gives Red the power. I think that gives Red the Triforce of it's power. Not a th- it's just how my soundproofing foam looks. And my I dude, will say, it looks like a throne. When we stream Breath of the Wild, people constantly can't tell if it's me or Link making noises. So I think that's good evidence in the courage side. Of, well, no, I guess that just means I kind of sound mm. like Link. Okay. I did openly uh, thirst after a 14th century knight, which is pretty brave. <laughs> you know what? That's actually very fair. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I, I, shit. I, yeah, if we're going, I think if that's we're it. doing evidence. Okay. Indigo's courage. <laughs> Red is power. I am wisdom. Red is power. I'll okay. take it. Yes. Conquest would be mine. <laughs> but if you ever need a PR agent, Red, you know you know who to call. <laughs> uh, Zelda better watch the fuck out. <laughs> Sorry, Ganon's Blue. making reasonable points this time around. <laughs> Poor Ganon. In half the King games Rome where... destroyed with facts and logic. Hey, that's that's not fair. King Rome deserves that. <laughs> yeah, no, Rome yeah, sucks. That's true. Rome sucks. That's true. We just gotta God. get Ganon a few like well-placed guest spots on some like nice <laughs> mid-tier shows. Get him some like good interview. Get a get a few like good clips that you can go make go viral of like is ganon right actually we could really like, need robbie to... in the akala tech lab has like like a <laughs> diy youtube channel yeah. and he got like ganon on to to show like spotlight on some gerudo technology oh come on robbie's not <laughs> slick you know he'd be like well you look like ganon but i'll need to see you shirtless just to be sure <laughs> by, oh, by far my favorite thing about breath of the wild is that every single person in the game is like wow you're a straight up hottie except for those two guys outside of gerudo town yeah. who are like yeah, bro, you're not going to win any favors looking like that. And I'm like, you'd be surprised, my guy. <laughs> mm, oh, you'd not be shocked and astounded. But uh, that's <laughs> on that um, fantastic thought process, we are coming up on time for the pod. So, uh, Red, is your great power enough to get us through this outro? Do you think that you can... I suppose you'll all find out, <laughs> heroes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Um... We'll be back in two weeks with, as mentioned, special guest star Nanobi Movies, which should be very exciting and fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, again, Vinyl Toy. Check it out. Link in the show notes. It's very cute. It's very fun. Happy. Uh, we'll be back with regular videos uh, on Friday. I think I think we're sk- slated for a trope talk, which uh, should be fun. First of the new year. So, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so uh, look forward to that. And until next time, I've been Red. I've been the Triforce of Wisdom. Apparently. <laughs> and this has been a conquest of all that you hold dear. Oh no, I'll have to fight you for a thousand or a hundred years until Indigo least... shows up to save my sorry ass. I'm sorry, and I gotta go take I a nap. I don't need to change my hairstyle. <laughs> no, Indigo, where are you going? Come back. <laughs> uh, we'll talk later, talk to later. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on February 9th with another thrilling episode and special guest star Nando V Movies. But if you miss us before then, be sure to check out Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube. Got a question for the pod? Head over to Ask OS Pod on Discord for a chance for your question to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and more can be found in the show notes below.